this is the torch of brotherhood. What is the torch of brotherhood? The torch of brotherhood is the torch of friendship that binds us together in brotherly love. Correct. These then are the five golden principles which make up our creed. First, loyalty. Charity. Charity. Loyalty is the first one to be loyal unto each other. Charity is first, loyalty is third. Harmony is third. Harmony is second. Fellowship is second. To let our hearts overflow with kindness. Kindness is fifth. No, kindness is fourth. Vigilance is fourth. Vigilance was cut out at the last meeting. Nobody told me. Well, if you come to the meetings once in a while. Look, who's talking? Where were you at the last meeting? I was making this torch, and I'm glad I made it heavy, because you're going to get it right in the head. Oh, yeah! Welcome to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics commentary podcast. I'm Adam. My name is Jeremy. Yeah, we're talking X-Men number four. We're talking the introduction, at last, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Because we've been waiting. Well, I've been waiting. Actually, though, as the audience, we really have not been waiting. (laughs) No. There's really been no build-up to this. I was kind of wondering if, like... Maybe there were ads in the comics or something that, like, coming soon, a brotherhood of evil mutants. Finally, we will meet the brotherhood, or and maybe you shall know thy Avengers. name. Could be. No, the brotherhood of, mut- of evil mutants never showed up in the Avengers, did they? Yeah, probably not. I was <laughs> gonna, I was gonna Wikipedia it before we got on, oh. but then I didn't. You're thinking two two eighties uh, and nineties crossovery stuff. I don't think they really did that much of that in the uh, the sixties. Like foreshadowing of evil characters and horrible events to to come, maybe. So what do we got here? We got uh, we got some evil mutants on the cover, and we've got the X Men, signified by little miniatures. They look foreboding, that's for sure. Yeah, looks like looks like they're gonna get them them good mutants. So the X Men would be kind of like the Brotherhood of Good Mutants. The Brotherhood of Jolly Mutants. Ah, okay. As uh, drawn by by Jolly Jack Kirby and scripted by the sensational Stan Lee and the imaginative inking of Paul Rainman and legible lettering by Art Simic. Well, how about that? Everybody else is sensational, dynamic, and imaginative, and art is just legible. <laughs> My- well, what are you going to say about lettering? I mean, it's got to be legible. That's good, right? <laughs> and featuring my co-host, the slightly understandable Adam. <laughs> <laughs> audible Adam. <laughs> the audible Adam. That's funny. Um, yeah. This, uh, That's your new name, buddy. Is, uh, this issue is titled The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Ah, yes. Clever. And uh, they are opening in a big splash in the traditional Jack Kirby way. I don't know if this is traditional, but it sounded good. Big splash, one-page screen of them in the danger room. And I'd like to point out that Cyclops is is uh, uh, pointing out that the test has lasted 50 seconds so far. Uh, thus, he's, been, he's got a stopwatch. He do, does he? <laughs> Built into his goggles. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, so he's got like a heads-up display. So he's kind of like the Terminator. So he can blast things, but he also has a little seconds timer. Because if you'll notice, in like every issue, he's the guy that's like, Beast, it's been exactly three seconds since you did that thing that you were supposed to do. Mm, I am so lonely. He gets it from the professor, though. He just wants to impress the professor. <laughs> professor, look, I can count my seconds. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. All right. 
Uh, what are they um, standing on in this in this page? Well, the uh, beast is jumping over flames, but the rest of the X Men are floating. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's as best as I can come up with here. There is a line on the right hand side of the beast that might indicate a floor, but uh, it doesn't seem to carry on to the left of the panel. I guess the danger room has, like, uh, invisible walls, maybe? Invisible floors? Well, it's kind of like Cerebro in the movies, right? When they close the doors and all the mirrors change, you're kind of, like, in the vast vacuum or whatever. Mm. Yeah, see, Stan was Stan was hip to that back in the 60s. One day, mighty Marvelites! <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyways. Or Jack Kirby just <laughs> drew them in the air. Jack was drawing with his left hand this issue and the Avengers with his right hand. So He like he drew the foreground and he was like, oh shit, everybody else has to be here too. <laughs> I'll just make a float. I don't even care. <laughs> um, and then so, moving on. It's a, it's Professor a, is putting Beast through the paces. Yes. It's a typical training scene uh, that we see every issue. But I suppose that's kind of what this whole thing is all about. And now, I never really read Fantastic Four all that much. But do they do a lot of training in Fantastic Four? Uh, I've only read the first ten issues of okay. Fantastic Four, and no. And so I've read like the first fourteen issues, I believe, of the the Amazing Spider-Man, and he doesn't train at all. He just got those powers, and off he was fighting crime. Yeah, since the uh, since the Fantastic Four are like these particular four powers, they really just focus on like well, mainly it just focuses on the villains. Sure. I, I think comic books in these days were very villain centric. Sure, but so I don't know, so either Stan is trying to fill pages or he's like, you know what we should do? Well, I mean, it makes sense. It kind of adds a little depth to these characters. They're not well, it's, it's kind of an element that is like stuck with the X-Men their entire run. It's, it's kind of unique. They're all training, yeah. So the, yeah, so Beast is put through his paces. He's zigging, he's zagging, he's jumping over power maces. And what does he, how does he fail here? Oh, he, uh... He sees a rope that he tries to use to jump over some water, and it turns out to be a camouflage strip of paper. Mm-hmm. Thus thwarting Beast's high intellect. But of course, <laughs> on the next panel, Cyclops is like, your survival was 62 seconds, Hank. Not bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, Scott. You're such a tool. Iceman is next. He starts goofing off and almost gets killed. I would like to point out, uh, page two, panel six, I believe it is, the way he's sliding again, my daughter's five, and that's about the way she looks when she's sliding down a slide. I don't know <laughs> if this is what 16-year-old boys did in this time, but this is another yet another example of um, Bobby acting not even at his age, acting much younger than his age. He's he's a goofy he's a goofball. I just yeah I just don't like the way Jack uh, Jack Kirby characterizes because I understand he's supposed to be the young character. So actually I wonder in Fantastic Four Johnny Storm's also supposed to be like the headstrong young character as well. Is he portrayed as goofily as Iceman is? That I do not remember. I don't okay. think so. Right. He's like a he's like a hotshot. He's always hanging out with cars. That's and stuff. right. And Bobby is far from. So Bobby uh, he's getting tested now on his goofy slide. Uh, and then uh, the professor tries to melt him with a red-hot cauldron. Which looks pretty dangerous. It looks very dangerous. Hopefully Bobby's parents signed a waiver, because if he slips, he's dead. Or severely burned. He, he only has one chance, according, in, in, in his own words. He has one chance to get away from this. And if he didn't, then what? Professor if, X just has to write, has to 
Professor X just has to write a letter. <laughs> Dear Mr. and Mrs. Drake, I am sorry about Bobby. The good news is, I don't know. There's no good news there. <laughs> um, okay, so he makes a pole vault because that's what Iceman does is he throws fists and makes pole vaults uh, and gets out of the way. Beast throws a 75-pound weight at him, which he uses his ice slides to mm-hmm. propel back at Beast. Mm-hmm. Then he gets hit with a blast of steam, which melts his ice. Which yes. I, didn't know, I didn't know that could be done. Steam can melt ice? Sure, of course it can. Well, I, I, I know steam can melt ice. I didn't realize steam could melt the ice off of Iceman. <laughs> yeah, that does seem a little far-fetched. But uh, I don't know. So I guess to, to, to progress the Danger Room story forward... The uh, steam melt his protective coating, as Iceman puts it. So he's laying on the floor all drippy and soppy wet, and uh, the angel, being his typical hot chopped self, flies him up and hangs him from his underwear off of a hook. Upside down. Upside down. So here's another point to keep in mind. The X-Men, apparently, when they go out on missions, all wear a uniform except for Bobby who wears his underwear and then just ices up. Which has got to make it pretty embarrassing when they finally... I mean, at some point, their mission's going to be over, and they're going to be able to, like, get out of their uniforms, and they're not necessarily going to be at the school. So everybody else can kind of get in their street clothes. But Bobby? He's just sitting he's, in his underwear. No shoes, no socks, I'm, just his underwear. I'm sure he stays iced up. <laughs> yeah, but what if they want to stop at the McDonald's, get themselves a Big Mac, treat themselves with a shamrock shake? Iceman's got to stay sit outside. In, I'll, be I'll stay in the car, guys. <laughs> I'll keep them cold. <laughs> Just give me an ice cream. <laughs> well, uh, so then the, it's, uh, the professor has Jean Grey, Marvel Girl, lower Bobby to the ground with her telekinesis. Finally, though, they are calling it telekinesis and not teleportation, so that's good. They started calling it telekinesis last issue. They did, so they're sticking with it. So my guess is that uh, Stan's got like a, a, a notebook pad so he can keep all this straight, you know. It's a lot of stuff to keep straight if you, you, know, if you ask me. Yeah, and I'm sure he pulled out like, some sort of thesaurus for, uh, for, for all of Beast's language. Sure, well, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, the professor gives her the difficult task of removing the lid from a box. And then raising an item out of the box, which is, uh, in this panel, panel four on, on page four here, even when I had the old Marvel Masterpiece, or what was it called? Marvel Masterpieces, the, the book? Masterworks. Ma- Marvel Masterworks. This panel always just bothered me. It's just so, oh, Professor, it's a birthday cake. And the way she's posed, her head's tilted, and her hands are, like, clapped together, like, oh, I don't know. Something, something about that. I've just never liked that pose. This girl likes cake. Apparently. And uh she knows where what to is, hide it though. What is the uh what is the <laughs> what is the uh what is the birthday uh celebration here? Well, it's been exactly the... one year since our class began, but does that mean the X Men before Gene or since they met Gene? I it would I mean this is only the fourth issue and Gene and, and joined the team four four issues ago. And so in oh, side note though, what I what I, I looked at I did some research. Oh my and, god, um, get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. This is crazy. Uh, this issue, uh, well, X-Men, as well as Avengers, were coming out bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. Whereas Spider-Man and Fantastic Four came out monthly. Okay. So perhaps uh, that's why it's been a year, is because it's actually, instead of four months, it's been eight months. <laughs> yeah, okay, which does not equal a year, but that's cool. I'm with <laughs> you. I'm with you. Um, 
Yeah, I would. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go out on a limb and just say it's been uh, 12 months since the uh, four guys there got together as the X Men, and Gene was a latecomer. Okay. So moving on to the next panel. Once again, Cyclops, who broods about his devastating power and how he can kill people and how he must always be by himself for fear of destroying the ones he loves, is cutting the cake with his eye beams. <laughs> That's reckless endangerment, Cyclops. And he knows it because he's always commenting about it. <laughs> There's a, the next panel that we don't see is, why did I do that? <laughs> the, the ex-cat is below the table. <laughs> fried up. Yes. And now we switch gears and switch locations. Let's talk about the Scarlet Witch, though. Look at that. She's got, like, no waist. She's, like, 36 two <laughs> and then you can't see her waist don't get into another fight on my account <laughs> yes and she's wearing the classic uh purple and pink uh yeah just like all the other villains in the uh the x-men universe but she retains this costume throughout i believe mm-hmm. her tenure quicksilver i think his changes and then Toad, I hope we find out more about Toad, because I've got to be honest, I've read a lot of X-Men, and Toad seems to disappear after the first few issues, and, and, and maybe there's something more to that that I just don't know about. But at any rate, uh, Mastermind is there, and I believe he plays an on-rolling X-Villain, I think. Maybe not. Mm. Well, they're, they're a typical uh, bantering group. Um, of of villains, a and, typical uh, bantering group of evil mutants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they uh, mastermind turns Toad into a pig, but mm-hmm. Toad's like, ah, I can see through your illusions, showing us that ma- that his mastermind's power is the power of illusions. Mm-hmm. Um, Wanda Scarlet Witch disappears off into a huff, or oh. I guess walks off in a huff, not disappears. Yeah, and. Uh, Apparently, she's going to waggle her finger at uh, the mastermind there. But the Quicksilver, he's like, Wanda, don't point your finger at him. You know that always causes a disaster to occur. So I guess maybe we're getting a little foreshadowing that she's got some sort of uh, mm, pseudo-telekinesis power, but she doesn't quite have it under control, and maybe she could use yeah. a little bit of training. huh? She's mm. got like a, kind of a, a hocus-pocus type thing going on. Well, you alluding to the fact that she, she needs some training from... From perhaps the the X Men. Ah, like possibly. You never know. It's only issue far four. It's far too early to tell. Uh, so, anyways, we they they are evil villains, and uh, apparently, and they are fighting amongst themselves. That's all I, I have to say about this page. To be quite <laughs> honest, I, I don't know. There's yeah, Mastermind threatens to uh, create an illusion so realistic it will drive Scarlet Witch to the point of madness. Quicksilver jumps to her aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get into a little fight, a scuffle, if you will. Toad breaks in. They start talking about their leader as though it were mysterious, even though he's on the next page. Uh, yes, he is. Is he? Yes, he is. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Toad is very typical Toady. Yep. Very, he, uh, very ugly, too. What is he doing? He's basically pitting everybody against each other, but with the threats that he's going to tell the leader... Oh, the leader. He will know what to do. He's so... T- <laughs> I mean, that's just the way I imagine that Toad... 
speaks. Yeah, that's a really good tone. <laughs> Master. So anyways, you have to talk like that for the rest of the show. <laughs> Every time I reference Toad, I'll, I'll speak as it. Where's our great leader? Um, <laughs> so then we fast. Well, we don't fast forward. We change scenes from. Uh, they they stop squabbling because they invoke the great leader, and they know that the leader has a plan or something like that. And they switch scenes to to an office. The leader himself and Magneto, the leader. Well, walks. not not the not the Hulk's arch villain, the leader, but no, Magneto. Magneto. The evil mutants leader, yes. Um, he he. What is he doing? He, oh, he wants to steal a freighter. Yep. And they recognize him. Are terrified of him. When we get our first uh, reference back to an earlier issue. Oh sure, yeah. X Men versus Magneto issue one. Always a always a fun thing in comics that I always enjoyed was the uh, the the editor's note referring back to the issue, mm-hmm. which they they. They stopped doing, and then they continued doing, and then they stopped doing, if I recall, in current comics. Hmm. It seems like they keep flip-flopping, but at any rate. Yes, they call back so that at least you know what issue this sort of stuff happened, and you could call back to it if you wanted to. Which I always thought was cool as a kid. I would always actually pick up the old issue, flip through it, and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, and it also helped like later on when it was like, you know, they would refer to something in a different comic book and be like, this happened in Avengers number 187. You'd be like, oh, really? And then you could, next time you're at the comic book shop, pick up issue number 187 and, yeah. and read all about it. But I don't think they do that so much anymore. I think there's just too much of it to keep track of, but who knows? So um, yeah, Magneto he uh, he starts this he steals a freighter basically, and uh, he starts it with his magnetic controls, which is very impressive. You actually have to have a working knowledge of a freighter in order to get all of those little things. I mean, in this frame, you've got some dials and a and a like a throttle, and he's making all of it go with his magnetic power. You got to know how to run a freighter in order to have that happen. Exactly. Yes, he's a smart it's, dude, I guess. Yeah, former yeah. freighter pilot. <laughs> oh, maybe in the, maybe in the war, that's what he was. <laughs> um, so he on the next page, uh, the angel just happens to be running a patrol, I guess. He's doing a routine long range test flight. Sure, sure, and he's sharp eyed now. We're being told he's sharp eyed, and he sees the armed vessel cruising below. And so I guess we're getting uh, a hint at some additional powers of his because he's way up in the in the sky, uh, but he's able to tell that the ship is unarmed or unmanned, I should say. He says deserted. Mm. The ship seems deserted, and yet it's moving at top speed. All right. Well, and, it looks like he flies in for the next panel. Yep. Um, uh, Magneto sees somebody go by, just assumes it's a seagull, and the two of them miss each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, and some, yes, uh, sure. And then Gene gets, or I'm sorry, uh, the angel gets back. I don't know, what is he, he's like, hey, Gene, I'm back. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> uh, Gene's always got to be invoked. Uh, but she, there she is, and, and so the uh, professor gives him, what, like a little physical there? Yeah, they they test his heart rate and uh, blood pressure, um, but he did mention that freighter, and that's that's driving the professor a little crazy. So yeah. crazy that we get an extreme close up of his eyes. Well, that's at the end. But he's like, I was unaware of any nautical artillery test being uh, artillery test at the present time, which begs the question: Is he privy to the nautical test notes of the U.S. government, or how does he know that there's no nautical artillery tests at the present time? 
People report to him. Yeah, He's an uh-huh. important guy. Maybe Fred Duncan <laughs> called him. Oh, there's no test yeah. today. Don't worry about it there, Professor. But then you move on, and he's sensing. You know, the professor doesn't strike me as a hunch guy. Yet, at the last panel on page seven, he's like, mm, call, it a, call it a hunch, but uh, there's something wrong about that freighter. Mm-hmm. Seems, again, just like lazy writing, in my opinion. <laughs> just saying is all. Um, Magneto returns to the, the lonely, uncharted island where the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants are making their home. Uh, Toad greets him. Ratting out the others about their little fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Magneto stops to th- uh, kind of throttle Mastermind a little bit. Um, which I don't fully understand this. Oh. You dare say that in my presence? But all he said, all he did was criticize Toad. Well, no, 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 because, uh, uh, don't believe him, Master. I was here, I heard him. He tried to harm the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> and the mastermind's like he doesn't care that the mastermind is sold the toad he's concerned that the mastermind uh tried to harm the scarlet witch it's, yeah but his direct quote is you dare say that in my presence oh that's a good point that's true so maybe he's maybe he's opposed to loath- loathsome gargoyle all i'm saying is i was a little confused maybe maybe that's what they called him in uh in school when he was a little boy and he's just like <laughs> what how dare you bring that up in my presence and then he says our personal feelings nothing. So he shouldn't care that he threatened the Scarlet Witch. I Yeah, that, that's one way to look at it. The way I look at it is he's like, uh, he, he's looking at the greater good. He's saying, like, I know that maybe you and the Toad and maybe the Scarlet Witch have some differences, but in order for our plans to be successful, you must put those aside so that our plan can succeed. That's good leadership, but throttling your yeah, teammates is not good leadership. Yeah, you're right. At least that's the way I look into it. He approaches Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, <laughs> Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. and uh, Pietro. Quicksilver. Gives them a little, little, little bit of a lecture. Reminds them about mm-hmm. the time that he rescued her from a flaming village in Europe, which is important, I think. I guess, um, yeah. So, a little origin story of the Scarlet Witch. She looks like she probably lost control of her powers. Magneto must have somehow sensed it and then came and rescued her. And then forever, her life was indebted. Not forever, but for at least a little while, her life is hey, indebted. Hey, is this, is this the first instant of uh, a mutant losing control of their powers and, and having somebody rescue them? I think so. I think hmm. so, yeah. Yep. Something that would be reused again and again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first, folks, in, ep- in issue four here. Uh, and then, of course, another quick reminder that they are homo superior and they're born to rule the earth. Yeah, Stanley really kind of drills the uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants agenda into this one. He, mm-hmm. He's kind of been building up to this with the whole homer superior, homo superior, mm-hmm. uh, homo sapien thing. But now we have a we have mutant Magneto who simply wants to rule the earth and. Uh, enslave the human race. Simply, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> With our superhuman powers, we can conquer them all. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Quicksilver's not beholden to Magneto, but for some reason he's beholden to his sister, so as long as his sister is going to stay with Magneto, Quicksilver will stay with his sister. So that's an admirable trait, I guess. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we get a, a nice uh, wide shot of their base. It appears to be an island with some metal fortress on top. 
Got to ask where he got those resources in order to build that. I mean, somehow he had to ship that material there, and somebody must have noticed. I don't understand magnetic how Magnetic this... powers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just chalk it up to magnetic powers. <laughs> Nobody would notice that, you know. Uh, whatever. Anyways, I guess he could mess with compasses, couldn't he? Like, if a boat's coming by, he could be like, no, you're not going south anymore. I'm going to change your compass to go north. And then the boat would be like, oh, my gosh, yep. we're turning. Oh, anyways, so there you go, yeah. Um, uh, so These paths? Hmm? Yeah, a couple days pass. Um, and uh, Professor X reading the news about, which apparently is happening right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, um, who who would dare attack the entire South American nation? Who except for the ones in hiding? The evil mutants. I don't know, like that. The evil mutants. It, it's so black and white. And the professor doesn't really strike me as a, he strikes me as kind of an intelligent guy, right? Who, who would have some critical thinking skills. But when he just refers to everybody that's not him or the X-Men as evil mutants, it makes you wonder. <laughs> well, at this point, there's only two groups of mutants, the evil mutants and the X-Men. The X-Men. Yeah. All right. I like, the, uh, I like Professor X's eye peering over the. Oh, yeah. He's got the one eyebrow risen, raised. Yes. Uh, and then the uh, the X-Men themselves are all doing their typical things. Beast is writing math equations with his feet. Jean Grey is doing aerobics. Uh, Angel is listening to music, I guess. And Bobby is eating a sundae, like he always does whenever there's downtime. <laughs> you got to wonder, is it ice cream, or does he just generate himself some ice and then eat that? Is he just eating himself? <laughs> it just looks like ice. <laughs> Uh, and then where's Cyclops? Everybody else is having fun uh, except for Cyclops. Oh, if you cut to the nice the next page, he uh, he was apparently running across the practice field. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, I, I actually did some research too, because Iceman says, "Rustle those wings, fly boy! It's a red alert!" And he says, "Well, well, which are you, Huntley or Brinkley?" I didn't oh, know good, because I was going to ask you what that meant. <laughs> I didn't know who Huntley or Brinkley was. But apparently, the Huntley-Brinkley Report was a show that ran from 1956 to 1970. It was NBC's flagship evening news program, and it was sponsored by Texaco. Oh. There you I'll go. Yeah. So Stanley must have enjoyed the evening news to, to make a reference such as that. What does that have to do with Red Alert? Well, I mean, he's—it's it, more of a, a Captain Obvious statement. Or, or bringing, well, I'm just wondering if, like, did they have a special segment on their show called "Today's Red Alert"? <laughs> I don't know. Today's don't, Red Alert is brought to you by Texaco. I don't know about you. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that Stanley had a good wit and humor about him. Uh, I did not. So <laughs> I think he was trying to make a joke here, and it's not very funny. <laughs> so, anyways. So- uh, they enter the room where the professor appears to be sleeping, but he, in fact he is in a trance. And uh, here we get a, what is this, a telepathic communication for the first time? Yeah, man, they're on the astral plane, which is kind of, it's a cool scene. It's the two, it's Magneto and the professor uh, standing on top of the globe in kind of like a ghost form. And this is signifying the astral plane. Uh, and this is uh, this continues to to happen uh, throughout the series of the X Men visiting of the astral plane and communicating in the astral plane. Not often, but from time to time. But I think this uh, he is, refers to it as a mental plane. Mental plane? Does do they? Oh, okay. It eventually will become to be known Oops, as the astral I'm, plane. I'm jumping way ahead. You're right. It's the mental plane today. Um, and 
Uh, let's see. And he, he so he says, "I knew you were trying to con- contact me, Magneto. I will never tell you where I am, but I can meet you on the mental plane." So it's kind of inferring that Magneto has some mild telepathic powers. I guess. Um, I just assumed that the professor was powerful enough to uh, be open to anybody who was trying to reach him. So anybody on the planet, maybe, that's just like, help me, professor. And he's like, oh, I'm here. And he's like, no, 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 my professor from high school. Now, you and I know <laughs> that Magneto and Professor X have a history. But I wonder if uh, if Stan Lee knew it at this time, that they had a history. Or if a reader could infer that they had a history from this. I feel that the answer to that is no. It feels like as they are writing at least this particular issue, and certainly issue one, there's no prior relationship being established. But I'm sure they write this in somehow. I feel that Stanley didn't have any sort of friendship planned between them. Well, it's just weird that Magneto would try to contact the professor that's a good point though i guess you're right um and then so the professor has a i mean we get a we get a good look at their sides the professor wants to use their powers to bring about a golden age of peace and harmony and magneto uh well in this panel he wants to make them slaves yeah but mm-hmm. i guess that's kind of what magneto has always wanted to do not necessarily make them slaves but make them realize that homo superior is where it's at and don't mess with us and if you see us get it out of our way yeah, and this this is definitely Stanley setting the tone for the the series and and possibly where he's planning on taking it. It's like he's really for the first time he really seems to have a direction. Yes, I agree with that. Uh so the professor wakes himself up. Um well, the X-Men will stop you. It will be mutant against mutant to the death if need be. Wow, he's never been quite that serious before. Hmm. Um I don't know why mankind must be saved, but yeah, and the professor's got a big heart. I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah. Mm, never. <laughs> so uh, the the moment he has dreaded at his hand, Magneto is preparing an all-out offensive against mankind. Uh, we must spring into action is basically what he is saying. Uh, so we switch over to Santo Marco. The evil mutants are shelling the tiny republic. Um. And, the freighter that Magneto stole. Yep. And so what I find interesting, so Santo Marco is uh, in South America. And panel three makes it look like they're in uh, like 1930s Germany. And panel mm-hmm. four exemplifies that by using Mastermind's uh, illusionary ability to make a big marching, what looks like SS soldiers to me, with big M yeah, flags. Uh, but but they're in South America. I don't know. It just doesn't really make any sense. And the other thing I got to wonder is like, was this commonplace? Because I mean, this issue was written in 1964, I believe. So this is this is only 20 what, 18 years after the end of uh, World War II. I mean, it seems like it would be pretty fresh in everybody's mind. Yet, yet this is the image that they they go to to invoke. I just wonder, did anybody care? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was it was controversial. But I mean, no more so. than you know mentioning. The Twin Towers would be nowadays. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's still fresh in our minds, right? I suppose. Okay, well, anyway, so yeah, they, they, they bring up this, this big army of uh, MM soldiers, we'll call them. 
Which is, is M for Mastermind or M for Magneto? Oh, see, I'm sure Magneto thinks it's for him, but in the back of Mastermind's mind, he's like, <laughs> little does the master know. Wait, that's Toad. Little does the master know. That's M stands for me. <laughs> that's it. That's Mastermind's little victory. That's, that's the thing he gets. Also, I got to wonder, uh, is Magneto paying these guys? Like, are they being paid by Magneto? Or do they think they're going to get a seat at the table once Magneto gets world domination? Yeah, I think the they're clearly somewhat afraid of him. And they also probably think they're going to get in on his plan. And I guess they're all, I don't know, reasonably <laughs> uh, self-absorbed, uh, <laughs> thinking that they're the... Uh, you know, they deserve what's going on here. Easily manipulated, maybe. Yeah. All right. So then on the next page, um, uh, the illusionary the, uh, army has frightened the people so much that Magneto is able to walk in and take the real army and model them after the imaginary army in what seems like 35 minutes <laughs> and have all the little M armbands printed up uh, I'm going to go with it's been a, a day and a half. You think so? Okay. Yeah, because the, the X-Men are in a car in the next couple of panels. They, they're driving into Santo Marco. I, they, they, you know, it, it took time to get there. Yeah, look, I don't see the little thing that says the next day or a week later. All I see is the illusionary army, the army being turned, and then the X-Men's car pulling up. To me, that says all of that happened in 35 minutes. How the X-Men got from New York to South America in 35 minutes is a mystery, but they are the X-Men after all. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yes. Realistically, it's been at least a couple of days, but I just don't see that passage of time in this particular comic book here. At any rate... uh, A little throwaway panel of Magneto uh, messing with the insurgents. Oh, right. Well, at least it's showing that there is some sort of insurgency. This is the only panel of it, though, in this entire issue. One guy. He's the sole insurgent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was running around, Magneto's bad! Come on, guys! Get him, boys! <laughs> uh, yes. Here we see why, Magne- uh, why, why Mastermind is following Magneto is because he truly believes that Homo sapiens should rule. Uh, yeah. Magneto's got it going on. Sure. Magneto's the kind of guy that can make them, make us their rightful masters. But then Magneto just yells at him, Silence! They're here. Uh, And so uh, there's a castle now that has a big M on it for either Mastermind or Magneto. And the X-Men are a short distance away. Um, In a hotel room, I would assume. And I love uh, page page 13, uh, the professor's brilliant plan. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just a a stick figure building uh, a picture of the building and then five lines pointing at it saying this is how we will approach the the headquarters now i thought that either in the last issue or the issue before that somebody else concocted the same plan which is basically just a drawing of something and then five lines pointing at it the x-men aren't very good at planning (laughs) so beast climbs up using his special wall crawling ability he climbs up the side of the building uh, sneaks up behind the, uh, what do we, can we call them the MM troops instead of the SS? Yeah, 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 they're the MM troops, the MM, yep. He knocks them over, but then, I don't toads, know where, the toad, smacks him off the side of the wall. 
in what I think is the only thing Toad does for the entire first ten issues of the X-Men. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. But certainly this issue. Well, my first thought uh, about this was, like, Toad is a foil for Beast. They both have similar kind of acrobatic oh, Can you imagine power. that your nemesis is a guy named the Toad who walks well, right. around? And he's, he's also the exact opposite of the Beast, where they just kind of established oh, Beast sure. has intelligence. Toad is, has no intelligence. Sure, sure, sure. sniveling. I don't know. We'll we'll see if that actually comes to be true within these first few issues, but that's that's how I felt. That Certainly was. in this panel, a nemesis has been established. <laughs> For one panel, I am right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. So then uh, he's hanging on for dear life. Uh, don't go away. He wants to kick. Uh, he wants to go up there and uh, well beat the hell out of that toad guy for for making a monkey out of him. But then the mastermind turns the wall into sheer glass by using his illusionary skill. Which surprises Beast enough that he lets go of his uh, grip. Well, I can buy this. I mean, it's an illusionary. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm not not disagreeing with it. I totally totally would do the same thing. Sure. So Beast falls to his death. And uh, (laughs) And what we can only assume is his death. (laughs) Uh, So Angel comes by and um, it's at, at one of the other five points. Yes, one of the other five lines. Probably the top line going down, because he's the one that can fly. He's being shot at by the MM. Yep. And, um... Makes a dumb little joke about selling arms to the MM. And then he looks like he actually kills somebody. Uh, <laughs> where? Which and, and next page, he takes these high wire lines. Ah, uh, yes. And... I guess the guy gets away, but he he he, he electrocutes his gun, and oh. I guess the guy drops it fast enough so that he doesn't get killed. In the panel previous to that, uh, he says that he can outmaneuver their clumsy shooting, but the noise is getting on my sensitive nerves. So I'm wondering if that's establishing uh, like a, another power or heightened senses that the angel has yeah, they're they're kind of giving like this issue they gave him enhanced high, uh, sight sight and now he also has sensitive nerves okay so he's kind of a pansy boy oh my nerves stop uh, it are, are there, is that a is that a bird thing oh well i mean i think I mean, like eagle eye well yeah i mean sure uh, and i i don't know are birds sensitive to loud noises i, I don't know let's just say yes Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, and so, yeah, you're right. Well, then, maybe birds aren't, but angels definitely are. <laughs> angels are definitely sensitive to noise. And here's, I think, where we actually get the correct pr- pronunciation of Magneto, where uh, oh. Angel says, Oh, Magneto, where are you? Sure. Wow, if we only had issue number four to, to refer back to when we were kids, we would never have called him Magneto. Exactly. Uh, and then Quicksilver makes a display of his powers by running around and and making a fool sort of out of the angel. Until the, the angel, angel is able to outsmart him, mm-hmm. and makes him run into a makes him uh, move in. Uh, yeah, makes him run into what looks like an invisible wall here. <laughs> in the last panel, yeah, yes. it does look kind of invisible. He runs into something, but we can't see what it is. So he's out cold. So Pietro is knocked out. And then uh, Scarlet Witch shows up 
to use her pointing power, her hocus pocus. Right, but before she, she just points her finger and the ceiling caves in. Wow, but before she does that, Angel has to point out in a in his mind what a dish <laughs> she is. Mm, wowie, what a dish! I don't know. If I, she's a noble mutant, I want an application blank. Mm, What's an application blank? Can you just know. say an application? <laughs> I guess it's the sixties. Maybe they were called application blanks. It's I don't know. It's the formal way of calling them applications. But still, I mean, was there a time when we actually referred to women as dishes? <laughs> uh, I'd like to take a bite out of that dish. I'd like I to guess put, so. I'd like to put my soup in that dish. All right, let's move it on. So, it, uh, it was just Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so yes, she makes the ceiling fall on him, and the evil mutants tie Angel up. Actually, it's not uh, even she the evil refers mutants. to her power as uh, a hex. Yes. Nothing can save you from the hex of the Scarlet Witch. Okay, so whatever the hex is. Um, and I think in the future we're going to learn much more about her powers, and I think they extend way beyond a hex, or maybe we get a better de- yeah. definition of what the hex actually is. Well, it's the same with everybody. They're all still being having their sure. powers established. Uh, in Except for Quicksilver. His pretty much stays the same. He just runs fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... They capture so the angel. angel is is stopped. Quicksilver wakes up. Uh, Magneto. Uh, they run and get Magneto because the MM says the leader will help. Yeah, but then Cyclops uh, blasts Cyclops the wall. Blast through the wall. Mm-hmm. And then this next page, top panel, he is rolling guards with his uh, visor beam. Once again, being completely and utterly careless with his powers. In a comical frame, he is rolling them down like a bunch of barrels. How is that even possible? It does, it defies, that defies all logic. It defies all logic, because if you look just three more panels later, when it uh, looks like Quicksilver knocks Cyclops out, his blast goes out of control and he starts shooting at the ceiling, and like the whole, floor, uh, the whole uh, ceiling caves in on them. So there you go. I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted that he can <laughs> roll people with his powers. And he can cut cake too, if you if you if you, if you recall. Um, I suppose. Yes. Yes, but yet so he, yeah, the ceiling caves in with his high intensity blast. I mean, you would think if he has this level of control over his powers, it would be no big deal for him to get close to another person, you know? Yeah. Hey, baby. Oh, a, a good thing to notice here is that he's not using his. Uh, He's not having to touch his visor anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems to be operating almost all by itself. We'll see if that comes back. Um, <laughs> so uh, one million volts of deadly current run wild through the castle, menacing all within. I was going to look this up, but I never got around to it. Uh, what would actually generate one million volts of electricity? That sounds like a lot. <laughs> it sounds like one of those made-up numbers. One million volts of electricity. It sounds scary. But then you read it, and it's like, this would take 16 nuclear power plants to generate that power. But I never looked it up, so I can't make that quote. Anyways, <laughs> it sounds like a lot. <laughs> um, so, But everybody survives, thank goodness. Um, it looks like uh, Cyclops well, I, blasts I, the generator out the wall. Yep. Uh, landing nearby Iceman, who uses an ice slide to slide it away from himself. Yeah, but the only usable power he has or usable technique he has is ice slides. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What a horrible power. No giant fist this issue, though. It's true. No giant fist. 
Uh, he makes some spikes, uh, though. And at first I wanted to make fun of this panel, but I buy it. I buy yeah, it. Yeah. His little ice spikes I, as he's I climbing up the wall. I had the same feeling. Mm-hmm. Wanted to make fun of it, but I, I'm, I'm going to let it go. I buy it. Yeah, how else is he going to get up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you freeze it hard enough to the wall, it, it would stick. It would stick. He's, yeah, and he's, yeah. Um, he's got power. That's, yeah. that's what he has. Yeah. So uh, he gets And then the next panel, next page, first panel, he starts reviving Cyclops. Who, by freezing uh, his face. With his last, by freezing his face. Oh, yeah, I did. I, yeah, I wanted to mention that, but it, Cyclops once again passes out by his power. Uh, he seems to always be doing that when it, uh, when it, when it actually counts. Mm-hmm. He's really got to get that under control. But yes, you're right. Iceman revives him by freezing his face off. <laughs> now, does ice actually help revive anybody that's unconscious? <laughs> I don't know, man. Next time, you know, you passed out or something, uh, I'll put ice on you. We'll find out. I don't know. It can't be comfortable. I got to imagine it's probably not as good as su- smelling salts, but it's probably better than nothing at all. I suppose. All right, I'll give Iceman that. It's better than nothing at all. But, I mean, actually, his entire face is frozen here. Not just like, I'm going to frost your cheeks and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's like he's smothering him in ice. You would think that would make things worse, but it doesn't. So he, he gets up and he's fine. Cyclops, Angel, and Iceman are now running down to find their enemies. Uh, Angel's particularly angry at Nido, and Cyclops is particularly angry at Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. They all have scores to settle. Oh, yeah. But somehow, mysteriously, magically almost, with some wavy lines, some metallic armor and weapons start attacking Cyclops and Iceman. We can only expect that it's Magneto, but actually, Angel suspects that it might be Marvel Girl if he didn't know any better. <laughs> and it is. And it is. This is basically, so Mag- uh, Marvel Girl gets basically two things. She gets to celebrate a birthday cake at the beginning, and she gets to accidentally attack her friends. Not her best issue. No, not a good day for Marvel Girl. Although she did save Beast's life, uh, Beast's life apparently. Uh, oh, yeah, and we didn't get to see it, though. Nope. Oh, when he fell down the sliding glass. You know, I've read this issue now four times, and I think this is the first time I've made this connection. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't throw one panel at that? Nope. All right. He, you had to go back to look and see what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe that, that that's extra value out of this issue. It actually makes you go back and... What is she talking about? Oh. Uh, okay, so uh, she, she says, uh, I'm sorry, boys, I didn't realize. But then Angel calls her gorgeous. I mean, nobody can call her by her name. <laughs> okay, gorgeous, no harm done. Say, where's the prof? At some point, I would just like an issue where Marvel Girl's like, for God's sakes, my name is Jean. Jean Grey. Seriously. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, uh, they don't know where the professor is, uh, but... Suddenly... Out of nowhere... A river of boiling oil. Oh my God, it's rushing towards them. It's kind of, it looks like just a big thing of flame comes rushing down the hallway at them. They all start running from it. For unknown reasons, Jean Grey cannot run on her own, and Cyclops picks her up. <laughs> I don't think I noticed that either. That's hilarious. <laughs> Cyclops picks her up and is running with her. Yeah, yeah, because now it's much easier than having her just run by herself. <laughs> Man, Stanley was a jerk. Or I wonder if Jack Kirby drew this. He's just like, I don't know. Those, those women don't run. <laughs> hey, Stan, you got to write this into your script. Uh, and um, 
they're all the, the flame actually stops trapping them at the end of the corridor. They don't know what they're going to do. They think they're going to burn and die. But Professor X strolls in with his wheelchair straight through the flames, and it's all an illusion. Yes, perhaps caused by our buddy Mastermind. Which, okay, this illusion makes no sense to me. Why not? Because fire is hot. I get you. I'm with you. I mean, but it's the same principle as the uh, the glass on the wall. Just because an illusion of glass was there doesn't mean that um, Beast would have lost his grip. But his mind was telling him that it was glass, therefore he was sliding. The X-Men, yeah, I can see it initially running from the fire, yes. But then the flames stop closing them in. Now, how long is it going to take them to realize that, oh, there, there's no heat coming from these flames? Well, this is weird. I mean, here, here's the best thing that can happen for the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants out of this situation. The flame gets to them, and, and I, I, oh, at first they're scared, and I get that, and they're running away from it. I get that. Uh, but once they get the wall and the flames engulf them, uh, I mean, at that point, maybe everybody has, like, wet themselves, and they're all just sitting in a puddle of their own embarrassment, and then the mastermind gets a good laugh. That's, like, the best-case scenario. But, yeah, I mean, realistically, once the flames reach them, they're going to be like, wow, we're not burning. Why aren't we burning? Oh, it's an illusion. Well, why does it have to be a fire? I mean, couldn't it just be, like, a giant spiky ball, and then the giant spiky ball stops, and they think they can't get past it? <laughs> well, because that's just unrealistic. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> Might as well be a giant spider. Now, that would have been cool. Do you think they would have run from a giant spider? No, they probably would have stayed to fight it. I would have run from a giant spider. Well, yeah. You don't have mutant powers. <laughs> ah. So, at any rate, uh, the professor, what is he? He sensed their fear or their panic and came after them. Uh, and then, basically, I don't know how or why, but the uh, the illusion disappears. And using the uh, the system of elevators and ramps that the palace clearly has, he makes his way up to them. <laughs> well, the castle is clearly uh, handicap accessible. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're in they're in they're in Santo Marco is a very progressive area of South Amer- America. Apparently so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, um, uh, all six of them now are going to square off against Magneto. Uh, but meanwhile, the mastermind is very upset that his illusion fa- failed. And Toad, uh, Magneto. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, I don't know. Toad is just yeah, he's waiting. Mag- Magneto will know what to do. The great Magneto is no much <laughs> more a match than anyone. And Magneto is setting up uh, a two bomb scenario. He's planting a bomb by the door, and if that doesn't work out, he's got another one—a nuclear bomb. Santo Marco. Santo Polo, or wherever they are, is very progressive, but they also have a very advanced nuclear arms program. <laughs> <laughs> it's all on Wikipedia, trust me. Just just go out there and look it up yourself. It's a fact. Here we have the, the first conflict between Magneto and the Brotherhood. Uh, which at least... Quicksilver questioning, what about all the innocent people that will be killed? Which is at least showing that there's some depth within these evil, quote-unquote, mutants. Mm-hmm. I can get behind that. I think that's a good idea. That's good. Uh, but Magneto is still pretty black and white. Uh, pretty, char- pretty much a, just an evil caricature. Yeah. Uh, so he don't care. He just wants. He just wants. Uh, yeah, he wants to kill him. Uh, and so here, okay. So on the next page, there, there. Look, here's a ramp, Adam. Here's a spiral ramp that they're all coming up <laughs> so that the professor can get to the door. All right. You know what? I don't. So even- there's like. A- 
there's a single spiral ramp that goes all the way up to the top of the tower, letting the professor off where he needs to be. I haven't been paying close attention, but have there actually been stairs anywhere in this issue? No, because everybody came up the sides of the building. Well, there you go. It's ramps and scaling walls. (laughs) So anyways, the president of uh, Santo Marco, he's handicapped, so he had it all retrofitted for... uh, all right. Anyway, so the professor, he's uh, he all of a sudden freaks out and says, "No beast, get away! I can sense a trap," which is adding then, yet another power to his repertoire. And Jean Grey's answer to that: the beast is so anxious to crash through that he doesn't hear you. <laughs> yes. So she gets to play narrator for this issue and throw spikes at her teammate. Um. And save and save beast off screen. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh Somebody stopped the professor. He hurled himself from the chair. Again, this is this unneeded dialogue here. The professor is clearly hurling himself towards the door. We don't necessarily need somebody to say, oh my gosh, the professor is hurling himself towards the door. He'll be killed. Well, we know that because there's a bomb behind there. It's very selfless from the professor. Very selfless, yeah. Again, I mean, he's the most powerful mind on the planet, and he's defeated the last two groups of uh, mutants that have attacked the X-Men. So, if anything, you'd be like, oh, my X-Men, open that door. I don't sense anything bad. Mm Because clearly the X-Men don't know how to handle themselves. This is the third issue where they pretty much lost. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, uh, as Scott says, the the door is booby-trapped. I don't know. Does anybody ever really use that in, 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 like... Is there like a black ops team somewhere rescuing somebody from, I don't know, Somalia who goes into a foxhole somewhere and there happens to be a tripwire and is like, look out for that booby trap. <laughs> Did anybody say that? Yes. Okay. Um, the professor is actually uh, okay, so it's a very weak bomb, I guess. Yeah. Well, he's, he's unconscious. He's delirious, but he's alive. He's not dead. He's not bleeding. He doesn't have any cuts on himself. And in fact, his clothes aren't even singed. Um, it looks like he's got a tear on his, his pant leg. You're right. Yes, you're right. He does have one torn pant leg. <laughs> uh, the Magneto, the Magneto. Magneto recognizes Cyclops' power beam, and that means that they have failed, so he'll set the nuclear bomb, and they will get into the, what do they get into? A slide. A giant escape slide. <laughs> now that's planning. That leads from the palace to the freighter. Now it says here, Magneto leaves nothing to chance. The escape slide leads to the freighter and safely to the open sea. So somewhere in this couple of days in which they took over this country, uh, formed an army, Magneto is also able to install a slide from whatever room they happen to be in. Well, now we've seen least, that uh, we've seen that Magneto can levitate himself, and I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that he can probably levitate other people on magnetic fields <laughs> or whatever. I mean, why wouldn't he just do that? It's just so out of character for him to be like, "Let's go down the slide, boys and girl." Yeah, it is very strange. Uh, so they do, but uh, the Quicksilver he's he's got a little bit of a conscience on him, so he he runs back right through Cyclops' hands and disables the nuclear bomb. Yep. And he jumps into the slide himself. You're actually right, yeah. So in that frame there, he's got, uh, the professor's got an even more of a ripped ripped pant leg there. Um, yeah, so they, they, instead of chasing after the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, they go back to the professor. But somehow Cyclops, no, who knows it? Uh, the Beast. His brain seems to be affected. 
his brain, but that's his greatest weapon. Uh-huh. I don't know how they're able to deduce from a bomb blast that uh, the professor's brain has been affected, but uh, the professor nonetheless says, leave me, go on without me. I'm too much of a drain. I'll never make it. He's playing a martyr. Cyclops is falling right into it. No, never. You're too important to us. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they pick him up. And they, I don't know, what, what happens here? They, uh, the freighter gets away. Uh, the the freighter ex- gets away and the professor no longer has his powers. Yeah, so this is the, the first weakening of Professor X. So I'm almost wondering, and that brings us to the end of the X-Men. Uh well, the end of this issue. The end of the X-Men. So long. It's been a fantastic series, folks. Uh, uh, next time, we'll talk about the Canadian Avengers. That only lasted three uh, <laughs> issues. No, um, the end of this particular issue. Uh, with kind of a cliffhanger here, leaderless, forced to fend for themselves, can the five mutant teenagers meet and renewed threat by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? It makes me wonder if Stan Lee was looking back at the previous two issues and was like, I seem to be having Professor X mind wipe everybody at the end of these. (laughs) This is way too powerful. Yeah, yeah, and without giving away too much uh, uh, about the future, uh, he he seems to get powered and depowered a lot as the series progresses through. What issue are they even on right now? Like the 500s, 560 or so? Uh, yeah, five, I don't know, a point one issue just came out. A point what? There was like, they're doing like point one issues right now. What's a point one? Like in between? It was like 500 and something point one. Wow. So let me ask this, does the professor have his powers back? Uh, I, 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 I've lost track of where the professor is. I I know he's been shunned from the X-Men. Oh, okay. So that's been going on for a little while then. Okay. Uh, well, that's way, way, way in the future. He's still living with them now. They just don't trust him. Well, it's his mansion. No, the mansion's gone. Oh. They're living in San Francisco now. Oh, man. Spoilers. <laughs> 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 I'm going to remember that, and when we get to episode 563, I'm going to be like, yeah, I know where they are. They're in San Francisco. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined all the buildup to them getting to San Francisco. No, seriously. Uh, so anyways, as far as issues go... Um, nah, I don't know. It was a. I guess we're kind of introducing the X Men to their their nemesis team. The anti-X-Men. well, I just finished editing the last episode, so I at the end of that, I kind of gathered that we were not big on the action sequences from the X Men, and this was an all out action issue. Uh yeah, yeah. So I would say that the action of this issue was at least better. I mean, it kind of moved everything along, and it seems like. Stanley is gearing this up to uh, the the series has been kind of floundering up until this point, and that's, it actually seems like it has a direction now. It's only the fourth issue, and it's floundering. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I guess uh, yes, I, I guess I would agree with that statement. Um, with with Spider Man, it seemed like they were able to just create enemy after enemy, and they all worked because it was just one guy versus one villain. Here we've right. got a team, and it's like a team versus a blob or a vanisher or a single magneto. It just really doesn't seem all that compelling. Uh, and then you're wondering, like, why are they getting their asses kicked by a big fat guy in a circus? Um, yeah, they, at least, you know, with the with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, the X-Men fared better than mm-hmm. with the circus. 
Yes, they did better against the evil. What does that say about the evil mutants? They're worse than the circus. <laughs> um, but uh, looking forward, this kind of begins an arc, if you will, a 60s-styled arc. Spoilers. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, it is a kind of a cliffhanger. The evil mutants got away and the professor's weakened. Something's got to yep. happen, right? It says stay tuned yeah. for the next exciting issue of the X-Men. That's true. This is definitely a cliffhanger issue. <laughs> if I bought this issue, I would have to buy the next issue. Really? You're, you're that engrossed? You must yes. know what happens next. Yes. If I if I was if I was six and I bought this issue, I would have to buy the next issue. All right. Well, Either folks, that or I would be so bored that I wouldn't <laughs> want to buy the next issue. No, this is, it's been getting better. It's, it's, it's a slow climb, and every issue has been getting better. Write in to us there at uh, Danger Room at redcapproductions.com. Visit us at www.redcapproductions forward slash Danger Room. And while you're at and redcapproductions.com, check out all the other stuff that's there. And also leave most, us iTunes reviews. Yeah, yeah. Get on. iTunes reviews will help other people find the podcast. If you think it's worth other people finding, let other people know. iTunes is where it's at. That's where the majority of the traffic comes from. So go there, post a comment, post a review. Send us a letter. We're, we're talking about introducing a letters column, and we would like you to be included in that letters column. Especially you. Yeah, you. Not the other guy, but you. See that guy behind you? We're not talking to him. Not him. Not him. He doesn't know. He's don't don't tell him. Tell everybody else. Not him. Yeah, he's a jerk. Any other thoughts there? No, no, none, none to uh, none to speak of. Yeah, I guess it's all been said at this point. Uh, so yeah, we'll be here next time. Uh, so until next time, the danger room is closed.